Hi, this is Brad Westwood. You're listening to Speak Your Peace. This is a podcast about Utah's history. When you're looking forward, planning for the future, first examining carefully the past, this is the podcast that strives to do this for Utah, for all its diverse all its diverse communities and all of its communities geographically spread out across Utah. I want to thank Connor. Connor is our uh, uh, our engineer. Uh, Connor Sorensen is from Studio Underground, and he is both our sound engineer and our post-production editor. Thank you, Connor, for all the work you do, and thank you, Underground, for allowing us to use this wonderful studio for Speak Your Peace. Our guest today is Rod Decker, and many of you... I'm sure remember know well Rod Decker. He has been retired now. How many years now, Rod? Two years. A longtime uh, uh, fixture uh, in politics in Utah. Uh, KUTV Channel 2, before that, of uh, the Deseret News. I think if uh, people were to say, uh, who can you get a straight story from? So many people say your name, Rod. Uh, Thank why do you. you think? Why do you think that's the case? Why, why do you think people see you as a respected journalist. I was around a long time. (laughs) I think you also pretty well spoke candidly and openly and tried to make it as clear as possible in what you Tried to make it as clear as I could. In the first uh, podcast, we were talking about uh, the history of education in Utah. And in your book, you address education. Um, there is a, a, a kind of a constant conflict in Utah's legislature related to education uh, in, in this same period of time where you talk about uh, the social uh, and uh, sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. There's also a great deal of development related to um, what's taught in school uh, and so on. Uh, take us there to the 60s and 70s. Let's talk about where does this conflict start, and um, can you explain it for us? Okay, uh, Utah Utah's educational situation and the politics of education seem to me to be different from, but affected by uh, Utah's cultural politics. The reason Utah's so strongly Republican, as I said before is because Latter-day Saints vote Republican, and the reason they vote Republican is because Latter-day Saint resistance to American social change, particularly the sexual revolution and change in families. That that isn't what's happened in education. In education, part of it is, is Utah's demography. Utah, for decades, had much the highest birth rate, much the youngest population, and much the largest number of school children for every taxpayer. So to stay average, Utah had to do had to pay more. Uh, uh, and as Utah had more kids. Next, Utah uh, has a, a mediocre economy. Utah's economy, U- Utah's per capita income, largely because it has so many children, is 82, 83%, something like that, of the national per capita income. Utah wages are lower, partly because Utah has a younger population. You you have a mediocre economy and a lot of kids, and it's hard for Utah to keep up. 
and it was hard for decades for Utah to keep up. But then Republicans took over because of what I mentioned before, Latter-day Saint resistance to American social change. Republicans took over Utah, and and they have uh, made low education funding state policy. They've acted openly and sort of secretly to keep education funding down. Now, they don't have anything against education. They want good schools. They love education. They just love low taxes more. And they, and they, they keep taxes low and they keep education spending low. Um, Rod, when, um, when I read through this book, I felt like I was reading through your entire career as well as before. I mean, you, you go back to uh, the 1890s and around statehood and so on. Um, for someone who's been involved in journalism for 45 years, I want to ask you about uh, con- one contemporary issue. Um, I uh, see uh, very good journalists doing wonderful evidentiary uh, you know, tracking evidence, corroborating sources, uh, really gathering stories in a careful, methodical, professional way. Um, now I've also seen loose and wild journalism. Maybe it isn't journalism. Maybe it's just public opinion that's on the web. But because of the web and because of the development over the last uh, last 20 years, um, I, I'm I'd like to ask you, how do you see this world where people talk about fake news when, in fact, it it's deeply corroborated? It, there's so much evidence that uh, is presented, and yet somehow, because of this tribalism, people can just say simply, it's fake news. How do you reckon with that? What do you think? Uh, how does this portend for us in the future? Well, there are, there are lots of good journalists, as you say, who do lots of good work. Um, I, was, uh, I was in Vietnam, and since Vietnam, I have been, uh, I have, I have ha- held a, uh, um, an opinion of a small minority that American mainstream news media are systematically biased. They, 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 they do good work, they, they are honest people, but they tend to end up a little on the left. And uh, I think that has gone on for decades. Um, I think that in part, uh, the, the fake news and, and the unruliness and, and uh, some lying on the on the part of uh, of President Trump and his and his uh, uh, allies. I think, in part, that that comes from, and in part, it finds traction from a long term small bias, much smaller and much more. Uh, they didn't. They didn't slant things purposely, but things got slanted anyway from a a long-term bias in news media. The news media are weak now. We see it in Utah, primarily in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, The the technology has changed, and it has affected newspapers first, 
but it is going to affect television news. It has affected television news, but not not so um, not so dramatically. But newspapers are are in deep trouble. They they can't sell advertising, and they have a hard time keeping up circulation. The Tribune is trying to go public, trying to do something to stay alive, but the but the life of the Salt Lake Tribune is very much in jeopardy. And the Deseret News is stronger, but and, and other papers around the state, but they also are suffering hard times. And there's no end in sight. The hard times aren't aren't because of bad management on their part. And they aren't because of politics. They're because of technology. They're because the internet has taken uh, ad money away from them and it's hard for them to, and, and, and TV has taken viewers. So social media. So the, the, the news media are weak and within this weakened, financially weakened news media, there's a, I, I think a kind of, uh, uh, long-term frustration with uh, with uh, what I believe, I, my opinion, I, uh, uh, a, a bias on the part of the mainstream news media. So you're saying in some ways um, this is self-inflicted? Am yeah. Am I understanding you? Yeah, in uh, some ways. So when you were first starting out uh, as an intelligence officer in Vietnam, you describe, I believe I heard an interview once where you said you had to stand up and brief uh, 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 officers on things that you weren't necessarily thinking this is accurate, but I still have to do this. Um, well, okay. that I, uh, Yes, but that isn't quite what I said. What, what, when I first went there, uh, I, I was an intelligence officer, uh, uh, and one of my jobs was what was called strengths, strengths of the VCI, Viet Cong infrastructure. Um, Vietnam was a hard war, and one of the things that was hard about it was there were no front lines. It was, it was everywhere. How do you know? whether you're winning or losing. That was a really big question, say in 65, 66, 67, 68. Are we, are we making any progress? Well, uh, Westmoreland, General Westmoreland, came up with, a, with, with uh, he and Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense, uh, came up with what we'll do is we will, is we will count the number of people we kill, uh, the enemy we kill, and we will estimate the enemy's strength. And after we kill them all, it'll, it'll, uh, we'll have won the war. Um, uh, or we hope they'll quit before they all, before we have to kill them all. So uh, my job was estimating the strengths of the Viet Cong infrastructure, which was essentially their political apparatus in South Vietnam. And there was a way to do it. Now, um, the way the, the the methodology was about as good as you could have done. I don't know how to do it better, but <clears throat> it in fact had uh, um, the results. W- you could have guessed. Guess guessing mm-hmm. would have been as good. We had we had these numbers, and we understood them. And, and I understood them, and the guy who taught me understood them. But the the they were sort of 
put together by guys like us in order that the general didn't wouldn't understand them, and he didn't really want to understand them. So uh, every month I'd estimate the strengths, and I'd say here's how many there are, and and uh, uh, if they. If they if they ask, well, how do you know what what about what when the guy the guy his name was Dave Hope, but he was a Harvard trained lawyer. He was the guy before me, and he showed me how to do it. And he went through it, and I said, well, I don't quite understand. He said, turn it about the same as it was last month, and that's what we did. We went through this process and turned it about the same as it was last month. And if they asked, we could go through all these numbers and I'm going to fill around and pickle around the rods, rods, rods up. And, uh, 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 they'd say, oh, okay, very good, Lieutenant. And, uh, uh, we uh, sent them off to Washington. And, and that was what, what I did. And, or that was one of the things I did. Now, I don't know that they were wrong, that the numbers were wrong. But uh, as I said, your guess would have been about as good as mine. Uh, when you came back from Vietnam, you returned to Salt Lake City, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, I know we're digressing from the book, but I'd love to hear a little bit more. Some really thoughtful things uh, you've kind of collected related to those experiences. Could you? What experience is this? Just coming back to Utah. Uh, well, I had a hard time when I came back. I was a Vietnam veteran, and I I uh, supported the war. I I thought that we had prom. I I I knew. I I studied Vietnamese and and knew some Vietnamese, and uh, the the Vietnamese I knew were on our side. And uh, I guess when we left, why some of them had a very hard time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that that we, we we told them we'd stay, and we can stay if we want, and we should. And I I still uh, feel that way, mm-hmm. at least um, in part. Uh, so I came back, and I was a veteran, and I was I I said things like I just said now, and and it made people very angry. People were angry about the war, uh, as angry now as people are Trump and non-Trump. Uh, you you. Uh, it's very hard now to to uh, uh, if you talk impeachment uh, now and then you can you, you can find angry arguments, really angry arguments, angry people on either side, and then it was even more so people that there there were fewer uh, people, especially people against the war were were especially angry, uh, and I can understand they'd sort of been shuffled into it without a, without a clear decision. Um, and, uh, uh, they were, they, 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 so it seemed to me they took their anger out on me sometimes. Well, I, I think as I think, as I examine your career, I think the, uh, experiences in Vietnam, uh, you're growing up here in Salt Lake city. There's a, a certain level of skepticism, but thoughtful, careful, thinking that's gone on in your career where you've presented journalism to Utah. Um, all of these stories you've talked about have, uh, has, I think, made you someone who um, tries to tell it like it is as best as possible. Well, I try to tell it like it is. That's what you're supposed to do when you're a journalist. Uh, and I try I try to do that. Uh, but I, I'm, I, I don't think like other people on, on all issues. And so in some cases, 
Um, maybe I'm simply wrong. Well, Rod, I think um, uh, I commend all of our listeners to pick up a copy of Rod's book. It is his second book. The first one was a book of fiction, I understand. That's right. It was called An Environment for Murder, and it was a mystery story set in Utah. <laughs> and this is uh, very um, lots of great uh, resources, uh, uh, footnoting. Uh, if you are trying to understand Utah as it is present, I highly recommend that you pick up a copy of Rod Decker's book, Utah Politics, The Elephant in the Room by Signature Book. Rod Decker, thank you for speaking and being a, a guest on Speak Your Peace. Thanks a lot. Everybody, we appreciate you listening. Speak Your Peace is a podcast where writers, historians, and curators, contributors to Utah's history, share their insights and discoveries. We hope if you have one podcast you listen to related to Utah history, this is the place. Speak Your Peace. This is Brad Westwood. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again. <laughs>